Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Thinking Theologically podcast, the show where we teach you how and why you should think theologically. I'm one of your hosts, Jack Dodgen, joined by our still resident theologian in training. I don't know why I keep saying still. I'm very sorry. It's going to be still for a long, long time. So (laughs) it will. We just need to get used to it. Uh, If I don't say still in future episode introductions, it is not because. It's not because you've moved on from that. It's because I feel bad from saying it. Whenever you move on, I guess, we'll make a thing out of it. We'll Good. let people know. I'm I'm sure you'll tell everybody on Twitter. I'm expecting people to send me gifts when that happens. Okay. All right. Throw- what do you what do you get what do you get a uh no longer still resident theologian in training as a gift? A coffin? I need you a, a coffin. So they're probably dead. Hey, listen, that's a great, that is a great segue into our discussion today. Because uh, we're dealing with, we're dealing with uh, motivation or why it shouldn't be motivation uh, of where we go after we, after we die. And we're talking about heaven today as part of our, our bonus episode, I guess, for uh, modern day idolatry of uh, what are we worshiping, God or or eternity, God or heaven slash hell, which sounds like a weird way to say that. We wouldn't worship hell, but you'll get where we're coming from here in just a little while. Uh, if you want to listen to our previous episodes, last week we talked about baptism. We have uh, a number of other discussions as well on modern-day idolatry and other theological things. We've talked about songs, uh, what thinking theologically is all about, and we've got a number of interesting ideas coming forward in future episodes as well, as a, uh, as well as a, uh, I think, a listener-suggested episode. So if you have ideas for us to pursue, we'd love to hear about those things. You can email us at strongchurchministries at gmail.com, or you can get in, uh, in touch with us on Facebook and with Spencer on Twitter as well. Follow me on Twitter. And that's Twitter. where he'll tell you when he's graduated as a theologian. One of these days. Maybe. And he'll post his picture of his coffin. Maybe. In 60 I years. I don't know. I'll be 85. Spencer, let's talk about let's talk about today what our motivation is for for living. We we think about what happens when we die, heaven or hell. We if you travel up like I had to many times through Oklahoma into Kansas into Colorado, then there are those billboards of where are you going to go when you die or heaven or hell, make your choice. Uh, I see a lot of those when I go through <laughs> Dallas. They're very aggressive billboards. Uh, but the, those thoughts of where are we going to go when this this life here on earth is all over, very shaping for us. So today we're going to talk about why, uh, how, how we make the afterlife an idol, how we make eternity yeah. Uh, and idle here. Uh, is there more you want to say on that before we get into the problem with with all of yeah, this? Yeah, and the the first thing I kind of want to say is uh, important disclaimer. I think uh, that the first is that you don't believe in obviously <laughs> we obviously <laughs> that's not the case. We okay. both believe in in heaven. We believe in in hell. We believe in. We'll come back to some of this as we kind of wrap up. 
uh, that they we, we need to uh, teach about them. We need to to talk about them. They're not something that you that we don't believe in or that we don't think we should talk about or anything like that. But what we're talking about here, just like in all of the other episodes in this series, talking about what we are worshiping, is we're talking about priorities. What is our primary focus versus what should be a secondary focus? And as with all of these, the kind of point is Jesus is the primary focus, and these other things are secondary focus because they flow out of Jesus. It's not the church is important, but only as it's connected to Jesus. Baptism is important, but only as it's connected to Jesus. Eternity is important, but again, only as it connects to Jesus. The problem comes when our priorities are out of place, when we make our primary focus eternity, and Jesus then just becomes the the way to achieve that primary purpose. Because for for most Christians and for most churches, the, the focus of Christian faith is not placed in a person. Their focus is on whether they're going to end up in heaven or they're going to end up in hell and not on Jesus. Jesus becomes secondary. It's first about how do I get to heaven? And then Jesus kind of comes in second of, okay, Jesus is the way that I get to heaven and heaven becomes primary or staying out of hell becomes primary and Jesus becomes secondary. And so when we think like that, the entire Christian message is then narrowed down to where are you going to spend eternity? That becomes the core of the Christian message is eternity, and the core of the Christian message is no longer Jesus. And obviously, when Jesus is taken out of the core or the center of our Christian message, things quickly begin to fall apart. Yeah, when you... It's just going on a, a trip, right? When you change the destination, the journey is going to become different now, too. Uh, different roads, maps are going to mean different things. You're going to look at things a certain way and not look at other things because they're not relevant to your destination. And so when we focus, and, and I think this is going to be laid out very clearly here in a moment, uh, when we focus on the place being the end goal, and Jesus as a means to that end, instead of Jesus being the end, uh, that's very much going to change uh, our theology, how we look at Scripture. It's very much going to change the way we live our lives day to day uh, as Christians as well. Uh, Spencer, we've got, uh, uh, you know, just a few. It looks like seven potential problems <laughs> uh, we've identified that come up with viewing the, the place as the end. What are some of those problems that come up when we, we view things in this yeah, way? Yeah, so as you said, we've got I've got a few here. I'm going to try to get through these fairly quickly, and I could have put about 40 on here probably, but I, I tried my best right on. to narrow it down. <laughs> so if, if anyone cares, seven or however many are on here is a narrowed down list. But there— Spencer will do a Twitter thread for you <laughs> for all 40 if you the want. The point being <laughs> that there's— a lot of problems with putting our primary focus, putting the core of the Christian message into where we're going to spend eternity and not in yeah. Jesus. And one of the primary ones is it naturally leads to works righteousness. Because if all we care about is getting to heaven, then our faith is just about the things we have to do to get there. 
Christian faith then becomes checking boxes. I've done this, I've done that, I've done this other thing, and because of that, I'm now going to get to go to heaven. And it becomes about, okay, what boxes do I have to check in order to get there? And when we do that, we forget that we only get to heaven, that we're only saved by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And it's through that our lives are changed, we do certain things, but it's only through Jesus that this is possible. And when we're focused on, well, what do I have to do, checking boxes to get to heaven, then Christianity also becomes a very selfish religion. It's all about me. Christianity becomes of what can I get from God? What can I get from Jesus? What can I get from my faith? And it becomes all about me. It becomes very selfish. And as you may know, Scripture speaks about how Christianity is all about others, not about ourselves. And so that that's one of the issues of when heaven's at the top, it all becomes about me. What can I get out of this? And specifically, what do I have to do in order to get this desired prize that I want? Uh, Christianity becomes almost similar to like taking a college class. You know, at the beginning, you get the syllabus that normally lists, okay, here's the things you have to do in this course. And if you you do them, here's the grades that you need in order to get the grade that you want. And it's all about, okay, let me make sure I do all of these Mm. assignments. I meet all of the requirements for those assignments so that I can get this grade that I want. That's what Christianity becomes. It becomes like following a, a syllabus. Uh, and not about Jesus, not about our relationship with with God, not about other people. All of that stuff, while it may be there, kind of gets pushed to the periphery of what Christian faith is, because at the center is, what do I have to do to get to heaven? It also results in us living for the future rather than living in the present, because we're more focused about where we're going than where we currently are. And so we end up being neither in the world nor of the world. Whereas I think most of us would say we are to be in the world, but not of the world. And so when we're neither in the world nor of the world, then we lose sight of our mission to do things like to feed the poor or to bring justice to the marginalized, to comfort the the broken or the grieving, because it all becomes about the future. It all becomes about where we're going, and we lose sight of what we as the church are called to do here in the present. And that's a real problem, I believe, for churches today, is becoming so focused on where we're going that we end up not doing anything now. I have a one, uh, oh, didn't mean to cut you. I, one thought on that. I don't know if my uncle is the one who came up with this phrase or if he was quoting somebody else, but uh, to your point here, he mentioned once uh, some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly mm. good. And that's very much this, I just got to get to where I'm going. And thinking about it in a very practical way, right? We're heading to work in our car and we see somebody's car broken down or we see the homeless person on the side of the road. Kind of just put our head forward and go, well, I got to get where I'm going. I got to get to work. I don't have time for. And that's that's what we're talking about right here. Uh, I just need to get to heaven. I need to focus on 
doing the right Christian thing, whatever, and studying my Bible and praying and all this so that I can get there. And then we miss all, all that's going around us uh, and sharing that light with, with other people there. Yeah, it's the, I, I was going to say, I've got a, a series of sermons that I've, I've done before on heaven. And mm. I call it awaiting heaven because the idea is, is that I believe that the better we understand heaven, the better we understand what we are to do now. Because I would describe the life of the Christian, the life of the church as being one that brings as much heaven to earth. It's not a we're focused on heaven so much that all we care about is getting there. But the more we understand where we're going, the more that frames the mission of what we are to be doing now. Uh, because in heaven, we understand what God is ultimately doing, specifically the problems that He's going that are going to be fixed. But as the church, we're called to take part in the mission of God. So when we understand what God is doing, that frames what we are to do as participants in God's mission. It's not just a, let's sit back and wait for God to do this, but let's take part in what God is already doing. Not that God... Philippians 3 is great for that. Exactly. And point. it's it's not that God needs yeah. our help or that God can't do it without us, but God desires right. for us to be a part of what he's doing. Yes. And th- that's the way I think we need to frame this idea of you know how we think about heaven because like you said uh, otherwise we we lose sight of what we're to be doing now in the lives of real people. Yes. It also results in us though living in fear rather than faith. Because we worry more about making a wrong decision and ending up in hell than we do about actually living for Jesus, embodying Jesus in our lives, showing Jesus to the the world. And that results in us painting God in a very negative light. God becomes like this angry dictator that's sitting around waiting to zap us or to step on us like bugs. Sure. Which God can do, but that, that's not. I don't think that's the picture of God that that Scripture gives. Right, I, I don't right. think that's the the primary image of God that that we need is the not a life that we live in constant fear of Him, but the life that we live in a loving relationship with Him. We love because He first loved us, and that's our love not only for other people, but also our love for God. I, I've, I've said before. Scripture talks about the wrath of God, the anger of God, things like that. But Scripture only ever says God is one thing, and that is that God is love. So I would argue that because of that, Scripture places love at the center of our understanding of God. That does not mean that God doesn't discipline, that God doesn't punish, that God doesn't become angry. But it means that we don't place those things at the center of our understanding of God. In other words, we understand God's discipline and anger in light of God's love for us. In the same way that a parent may discipline a child because of their love for that child, that's the same way that we think about God. Uh, And, you know, you'll, you'll know Old Testament says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it doesn't say it's the end of wisdom. That maybe we start there, but we don't end there. Because the more we learn about God, the more we develop a relationship with him, the more we understand God's love for us and begin to define God in that way and understand some of these other things in light of that love. 
again, when you think about a child, when a child is young, being disciplined by a parent, at the moment, they may not understand that that's produced by love. But as they grow and reflect back on that, they're better able to understand the love that that discipline came out of. And I think that's the way our relationship with God Hmm. is intended to uh, grow. But if we're only focused on staying out of hell and making it to heaven, we begin to live in in fear. And God is just this God who's trying to, it's almost like he's trying to find some way to send us to hell. And so we, we live in constant fear of that. And I don't think that's good for a relationship with God. I don't think that's good right. for a, a a lot of things. Um, but it, it also keeps us from living for, for Jesus, I think, like we ought to. Um, next, when we make eternity our primary focus, then evangelism becomes strategies to manipulate people into being baptized rather than showing them the love of, of Jesus. Because in our minds, if our primary concern is eternity, then that's going to also be our primary concern in interacting with the lives of other people. And so it's what can we do almost, how can we manipulate this person to be baptized that they'll wind up in heaven and not wind up in hell instead of showing them Jesus allowing them to, inviting them to enter into a relationship with Jesus that obviously includes baptism, as we talked about last week. You know, the, the I think of Philip yes. and the Ethiopian eunuch preach Jesus to him, and then he asks to be baptized. That's part of the Jesus discussion, but it's not the beginning of the Jesus discussion. Jesus is the beginning of the Jesus discussion, not, uh, not baptism, yeah. not, not, not even, I think, Heaven and hell is not where we start. We start right. with Jesus, and naturally we're going to talk about these things. We're going to talk about heaven and hell. We're going to talk about baptism. Those things are going to come out along the way. But it's probably not a good starting point to tell people that they're going to hell. Probably. I, I don't know about anybody else, but I think that would turn me off. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I know for a fact that it turns a lot I don't of know very off. many people that were have become Christians when that is their first introduction to a Christian is being told how terrible of a person they are. And uh, let me remind you that as Christians, most of us are not the best people half the time either. So let's give other people the same mercy and grace that we give ourselves and that God gives to us as an important side note (laughs) reminder. Uh, It next, it, it, it we, we tend to emphasize spiritual things and neglect physical or maybe what we would call secular things. And we'll do a podcast at some point specifically on this topic. But the idea there is that the only thing that matters is, quote, spiritual things. In in other words, again, going back to, you know, providing food for the hungry, uh, clothes to the naked, uh, those kinds of of things, uh, shelter to the homeless, don't become very important because they're uh, not a they don't s- specifically result in people getting to heaven, which is the only thing that we're concerned about. And so a lot of the times we don't do those things. It's important to note that a lot of the times the those are the things that people need from us in the moment with the hope that eventually that will lead them to Christ. But most people don't need us to first speak about Christ, but they need us to show them Christ. 
that will hopefully eventually lead to us being able to talk to them about Christ. But it normally starts with the way that we show Jesus to them. It should also be noted that Jesus gives that judgment scene where he says that those who are cast away are those that didn't feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those who were in prison. So it's definitely a part of what it means to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one kind of piggybacks on what we were talking about last week, that baptism becomes more important than living a Christian life or more important than Jesus. Because we believe you have to be baptized to be saved. Baptism is for the remission of sins. So again, we can tend to emphasize, well, as long as we get them in the water, none of the other stuff matters that much. We just have to get them baptized so that they can get to heaven. As we talked about in the last episode, there's a lot more to the Christian life than just being baptized. As important and essential as baptism is, there's a lot of other things that must come after that. Yeah, please check that episode out if you you hadn't already, and it'll... It, it's a good lead into this discussion today. And then the, the last one we've kind of already mentioned about the selfish aspect of this is that when eternities are of primary importance, then our relationship with God is not because we selflessly love him, but it's because we are trying to get something out of him, namely heaven. I think we understand this in our human relationships. If your relationship with someone is built solely on trying to get something out of them, I don't think anyone would say that we truly love that other person because true love manifests itself in selfless actions. We're not trying to get anything out of that other person to benefit ourselves, but we're trying to do everything for the benefit of that other person. And so if our faith is built solely on getting something from God for ourselves, then we haven't developed true, deep, authentic love. Not that there's not any love there necessarily, but that we haven't developed deep, authentic love like God desires or like your spouse desires too, right? Your relationship with your husband or your wife is not just because you want something from them, hopefully it's not. It's Hopefully it's built on you right. selflessly serving and looking out for them above yourself. It's the, uh, it's the difference between, well, when, when the focus is on this thing that we are getting or this punishment that we are trying not to get, uh, right? Which also, to go alongside that, and maybe one of your 40 points would have been uh, uh, trying to... Uh, avoid hell puts God in the corner of God does this to people, which I don't know is a good theological concept. Maybe we come back to that at another point. Uh, but when we are trying to get something out of God in the relationship, it's we're taking his unconditional love for us and saying, I will love you conditionally, God, just on the basis of I feel good that I might be getting into heaven, and so I love you based on that, which is very much the wrong way, and also very much part of our tradition as the people of God, because just take a look at Israel leaving Egypt, and it's literally what they were doing. I love you now because of the food that you have given me, but I'm going to hate you tomorrow and wish I was back in Egypt. Uh, that's 
called to things much greater than that. But when heaven is the end, that's that's where our mindset goes, right back to right back to the old people of Israel, right back to Egypt, yep. uh, and that way of of thinking. Well, if if heaven's not the the ultimate goal, Spencer, here's a question for you: Why does the New Testament talk about it so much? Huh? It doesn't. <laughs> does the Bible talk about it? Uh, oh, it doesn't. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, the, as we naturally want to do, you know, what, what does Scripture talk about in this regard specifically? What does Scripture emphasize about the the life of the Christian, the life of the church? And when you read through Scripture, you'll notice that Scripture emphasizes a person, not a place. That Christian faith is about a person. It's about Jesus, not about getting to heaven. That our goal as Christians is to be transformed to look like Jesus— with the result of heaven. The goal is not to get to heaven, therefore I'm going to be transformed to look like Jesus. Again, it's the other way around. It's I'm going to be transformed to look like Jesus with the result of heaven. Um, And we see this specifically, the example that I want to use is Paul. Paul who wrote the vast majority of, of the New Testament. And here's what's interesting. In all of Paul's letters, Paul only uses the word heaven 20 times. 20 times. I mean, that, that mm. that's what, like twice a letter? Something like that? I mean, <laughs> he uh, yes. um, only uses the word heaven 20 times, but he uses the word Jesus 207 times. And he uses the word Christ 379 times. Paul obviously emphasized Jesus more than he emphasized heaven. It's it, mm. And part of that is because when Paul wants to talk about heaven, when he wants to talk about eternity, he normally doesn't – he does so not by using the language of heaven, by, but by using the language of resurrection in talking about that our hope is not necessarily in a place, but our hope is in new life. It's in resurrection life with God. And we can use the word heaven to describe that, but I think the reason that Paul prefers to use the term resurrection is because the idea of resurrection life, or heavenly life if we want to, but the idea of resurrection life connects us more with Jesus. Because as Paul describes in most of his letters in one way or another, that our resurrection life will be a life that's not only with Jesus, but is a life that's reminiscent of Jesus' resurrection. Paul says all the time that Jesus is the first fruit of our resurrection, that in the same way that Jesus was resurrected, we have a hope for resurrection life. We have this hope of heavenly life, but I think Paul uses the word resurrection instead of heaven because it's connected to Jesus, because Jesus is the starting point. It's also interesting. I'm going off script here for a minute, which is dangerous, but uh, I've I've got a book sitting here on my desk uh, by Scott McKnight, who is, I I think I've mentioned him before. He's a New Testament scholar, particularly a Paul kind of guy. And he makes the interesting point that when you read the Times— 
that where Paul defines what the gospel is, what what is the gospel? And in his mind, if I remember right, he goes to two passages in particular. He goes to 1 Corinthians 15 and okay. Philippians 2 is the, the two places where he wants to say we get the most detailed explanation of what the gospel message is for Paul. And he says, if you notice in both of those, it starts with Jesus. It's first about, you go to 1 Corinthians 12, and it's Jesus died, he was buried. I mean, 1 Corinthians 15, he died, he was buried, he was raised, and he appeared to all these people. And then on the heels of that, Paul begins to talk about the significance of that for our own resurrection. In other words, for our own salvation. But when Paul describes the gospel there, it starts with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and then moves to the implications of that for salvation. Paul does the same thing in Philippians chapter 2. It it begins with uh, Jesus' preexistence, then his incarnation, and then his death, which then moves to his exaltation, which has salvific meaning, has meaning for the way that we live. But Paul starts with the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, and then moves from there to the implications of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for salvation. Paul does not start with salvation and then move to Jesus as the one who provides us salvation. He starts with Jesus, and then he moves to salvation. That That's the, the way that when in the two texts where Paul— kind of outlines what is the gospel message. That's the movement that we see in Paul. And again, we, we see it in just the words that Paul uses. Paul's going to talk about eternity in terms of resurrection because it's connected to Jesus. He's not going to really use the term heaven. He's going to use, he's going to talk about Jesus. He's going to talk about Christ. He's going to talk about resurrection and talking about what the gospel is, talking about salvation, heaven, eternal life. That's the way Paul's going to go about talking about it, and we, we were even talking about this before. That the same is true with Jesus. When Jesus uses the word heaven, it's normally in the context of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, not really in, in the context of eternity. Even Jesus prefers to talk more about uh, uh, in terms of really kind of the, the justice and righteousness of God in terms of that, which Paul would argue we see that in Jesus. That's where we see the justice and righteousness of God. Read Romans, read uh, Galatians, and you'll you'll see Paul kind of make that argument. So even with Jesus, the idea of where we're going is connected to Jesus. For Paul, it's connected to yeah. Jesus. It's it's it. it I, I guess it's weird. It all comes back to Jesus. What a strange phenomenon. What a strange thought. Yeah, and alongside what you've said there, and. This includes, you You look at the Gospels, especially Matthew is very focused on heaven, but it's kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, as he uses both phrases there um, synonymously uh, throughout his his Gospel there. Even that is less about, here is, here's God's address, and it's about the dominion and rule of God in the present— over this place here, 
and how that looks in the life of the believer. And so uh, we found we found a way to get this word in here, Spencer. When we when we think about Jesus and him being the end and him changing our life now, uh, it transforms the way that we live in the present. Uh, not overlooking all of these earthly and physical things, but doing these things because of what Jesus has done. Uh, it's not about the place we're headed to. It's it's about who is. It's about the relationship that's formed here uh, that will last in to eternity. You know, I think so, that's only the second uh, time we've said transformed, which is we're <laughs> falling behind. That's right. Yeah, we we need to get it in there more. But we uh, we'll we'll have a part six maybe, and then we'll. Are we worshiping? Oh, are we worshiping God or transformation? And then we can point the finger at ourselves. Anyway, yeah, Scripture emphasizes uh, even when it talks about heaven, it, it emphasizes Jesus, the the person of Christ, the implications uh, of what He has done and what that means for us today. So, with all that in mind, uh, do we even need? Eternity. What what should our discussion about eternity be then? Yeah. So the a a, a common and to, to some extent a, a a right comment to the discussion that we've had is, well, d- don't we need eternity specifically in evangelistic ways? D- don't we need people to uh, desire to go to heaven? Uh, fear going to hell to become a Christian and maybe even to s- remain a Christian. And uh, first off, w- we'll talk about this in a minute, that to some extent, maybe, um, and that those aren't obviously bad things to talk about, things we need to talk about, things that I- exist, important things to consider. But I, I-, I don't think that they're... And again, we're not saying not to talk about them. We said at the beginning, it's what are we putting our focus in? But we, I would argue that we don't even necessarily need them. I think I've said before in lessons talking about evangelism that I don't think you need a discussion of heaven and hell to uh, convince someone to become a Christian. I don't think it's necessary. It may at times be helpful, but I don't think it's necessary. And I want to make that point by asking a couple of rhetorical questions. The first is, if heaven wasn't real, if there was no reward for righteous living, if all the righteous, if all the Christian at death, if we just stopped existing, no heaven, no reward, but yet the the evil are, are punished, so there's no heaven, but there is still a hell, would you still be a Christian? Now we can kind of flip that. If hell wasn't real, so if there was universal salvation, if everyone gets saved at the end, then would you still be a Christian? And the third I want to ask if is if there was no eternity, no heaven, no hell. If we all just stopped existing at death, if there was no life after death, 
would you still be a Christian? And the reason I ask that is because here's my answer to all three of those questions. My answer is that I would still be a Christian. If there wasn't a heaven, if there wasn't a a hell, I would still be a Christian because I am not a Christian because of heaven, but I am a Christian because of the love that God displayed to me by becoming a human being, by understanding my needs, by understanding my weakness, and by going to the cross in my place. I love God because not to get something out of God, but because God first loved me. I'm a Christian because I love God, not because I expect anything from him, and more particularly, not because I think I deserve anything from him. I'm a Christian be- not I- I'm a Christian because I believe that the Christian life is the best life. I believe that the Christian life is the life that I have been created and designed by my Creator to live. I- I'm a Christian. Because on the third day, the tomb was empty. That's why I'm a Christian. I'm not a Christian because of heaven or because I think I deserve heaven or because I'm afraid of going to hell. I'm a Christian because of the love that God showed to me in Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian, to go back to kind of our key word in this episode, because of Jesus. And so that's why I say that I don't think eternity is is necessary in terms of, I, I, I don't think we have to have it in order to make people Christians. I think the love of God, and I think scripture proves this, that the love of God is powerful enough to change minds and to change hearts without scaring people into becoming a Christian. I, I, don't, I don't think people need to be scared into a relationship with God. I think we need to simply tell the story of God as seen in Jesus, and that's enough to produce Christians. But I I do, again, want to put the disclaimer of that doesn't mean that we don't talk about heaven and hell. It doesn't mean that we don't preach about it. It doesn't mean that we don't need to think about it and be concerned about it or anything like that. And that's kind of where I want to to end and make a few comments along that line is that first, I, I do think that it's okay for people to become a Christian because of a a fear of of hell or a desire to go to heaven. There may be some people listening that say, well, that's what got me to come to church, and that's fine. For for some people, maybe that's what they need. And that kind of goes back to, we've talked about it before, the importance of understanding what different people need when we're doing evangelism, that not everybody needs or responds to the same thing. We talked about that when we talked about apologetics. Some people respond to those arguments. Some people don't. Some people respond to the topic of heaven and hell. Others don't. And the point that I was making is that I don't think we need that to make Christians. I think the love of God in Jesus Christ is enough and ought to be enough. But that's not to negate the fact that some people are led to Christ, are led to the church because of a desire to stay out of hell or because of a desire to go to heaven. And I say that to follow up with the fact that, but as our faith matures, we all need to move to a point where our faith is not about what we get from faith, but it's about living in a relationship with God. It's about Jesus. So even if we enter in 
because of fear of hell or because of a desire to go to heaven. That's not where we need to stay. That as our faith grows and matures, we need to move to the point where it's no longer about what I get from my relationship with God, but it's just about my relationship with God. It's about the fact that I love because he first loved me. We must, and so as a result, we must live now in a way that seeks for our lives and for the world to be transformed in connection with Jesus. We can't just push everything off to eternity. I I had an Old Testament professor that would say that our temptation as Christians is to push everything off to eternity, that we have to live lives now that we hate and are horrible and are terrible, and we just push everything, all joy, off to eternity. And that's not what Scripture teaches. There's an abundant life. There's a joyful life that we have now because in Christ we're living in the way that God created and designed us to live. The other extreme to that is prosperity gospel, that it's all now, and we don't want to be there. We also don't want to be in a place where we just push everything off to eternity and say life now has to be terrible. There's a balance between those two poles, and part of that balance is the way that we live in reaching out for people. Now, as Christians, again, something you may have in your mind is, well, what about the idea of biblical hope, right? Which And that's definitely there. We as Christians should be looking forward to. We should be hoping for heaven. We have this hope of new life that's only found in Jesus. The point that we're making, again, is what is our top priority? The point that we're wanting to argue is that eternity is a secondary concern and Jesus is the primary. We start with Jesus and then we move to heaven. And so I'll say it again— doesn't mean we don't talk about it. Doesn't mean we don't preach about it. Doesn't mean that that doesn't get people to become Christians. Doesn't mean that it's bad to become a Christian because of that. But we have to make sure that we start with Jesus and then we move to our concern and our hope in heaven because heaven only makes sense as it's connected to Jesus. There is no heaven without Jesus. And so we look first to Jesus, then we look to heaven. And so... Our primary concern as Christians is not, well, what do I get out of it? I, I just want to—we we don't want to go to heaven, or we, we should not want to just go to heaven and to keep ourselves out of hell, but we should want to go to heaven because that's where God is, not hmm. because we're trying to get something for ourselves or trying to stay out of hell, but we should hope for heaven— as I said, because that's where God is, because that's the fullness of the life that God created and designed us to live. It's not for selfish reasons, but it's because we want to be with God. And that keeps God, that keeps Jesus as our primary concern. And then we understand heaven as flowing out of what God has done for us in Jesus. And alongside that, to to wrap the episode up, uh, John 17 and verse 3 uh, is one that I think is a good verse to have uh, in connection to this whole discussion. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the one, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Uh, and that very much speaks to uh, how you just ended this, of this relationship with Jesus is the thing uh, and the priority uh, that, yes, includes this place we go, but it is not 
that's not everything. There's very much a present alongside this future uh, thing that we are hoping for, uh, that as Christians we get to enjoy eternal life now. Our, our life is enhanced. The, the quality is better because we belong to Jesus and his kingdom in the present and will remain with him for for all eternity that's that's how all of this stuff fits yeah i i want to say also going back to mcknight that i mentioned earlier the the point that he was making and talking about paul's the way paul construed the gospel was he was making the point that the 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 gospel is a story that what the the biblical authors do is they tell the story of god and he was making the the point that that's what the preacher does that when we preach we're just telling the story of god over and over and over and over again and so in showing how paul hmm. does that by describing the gospel is is to say that when we tell the story of god we begin with jesus but the end of that story is heaven and so again it's not that we leave it out and don't talk about eternity but again, it's priorities. It's when we tell the story of God, where, where do we begin? Do we begin with Jesus and then move to heaven? Because that's what the biblical authors do when they tell the story. The story begins with mm. God, and at the center of it is Jesus. But there is an ending to it, right? There is a hope that we have. There is an eternity that ends that story. But we can't start the story at the end. It would be like reading a book backwards. It doesn't work. You start at the beginning, and then you move to the end. And that's the argument that McKnight was was making of just how do we tell the story and making sure we tell the story in the right order, which helps to keep our priorities in the right order. That Because, again, heaven only makes sense because of Jesus. We... Uh, hope that through this this series of, of five here uh, on on modern day idolatry uh, has helped to uh, get those priorities in order uh, to help uh, to help you see what things need to be focused on um, most and keeping these other things while they are important within their proper bounds uh, so that they don't extend uh, into becoming to sitting on a throne that does not belong to them. Uh, and so I hope that this series, which I, is over, we'll say for now, uh, we may come back and revisit some some ideas in the future. Uh, I hope that's helped uh, you as the listener to uh, maybe think about where your focus is, what kind of uh, priority you're placing on uh, various elements of, yes, important theological ideas, but keeping everything centered uh, on Jesus and and being transformed by him. Uh, If you liked this episode or you've got comments or uh, thoughts for future episodes, you can reach out to us again, strongchurchministries at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Any thoughts that you have, you can get to us on Facebook as well. Uh, And of course, uh, anywhere else that we're at, uh, Twitter and and those sorts of places. Follow me on Twitter. Follow Spencer on Twitter, please. He needs more followers. (laughs) I'm Jack. That's Spencer. We'll see you next time.